It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard not to look at the front row this morning. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> You know, I do, I do have this problem with spitting. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah where was I? <laughs> so, good morning, Riverside. Good morning. Wow, it's good to be here with you again today. And uh, we're very thankful, I'm very thankful to have this opportunity to share in this part of our service with you once again. And uh, Jan and I just want to say that we love you in the Lord Jesus Christ. We love uh, Riverside. We appreciate you guys and getting to know so many of you. And I'm very thankful for the different times that the Lord uh, gives the opportunity for me to be here and share in the service and share the scriptures in different ways. And uh, that might not sound like a big deal to you, but there was a time in my life not too long ago where I really wondered if I would ever do that again. And, uh, and so here I am, and that's, it is a blessing. And I'm thankful to the elders of Riverside and to Pastor Paul, I mean, Grandpa Paul, uh, <laughs> for that. And uh, just really looking forward to Paul's continuing his study in First Peter, the consecutive study of the Word of God is a blessing. It's much easier, in case you ever thought about it, <laughs> It's much easier to do what I'm doing to step in on a certain Sunday and talk on a certain topic than it is sometimes to week by week by week be going through the scriptures in a ministry. And so I appreciate that very much and look forward to that next week, Paul. So um, you never know when you're preaching or teaching if this will be your last time. Nobody knows that. And I don't know that this morning. When I'm sharing things like this, uh, I'm really speaking as much to myself as I am to the rest of you. And so I'm thankful again for you guys for the opportunity. Uh, Jan and I were in Colorado a couple weeks ago visiting our older son, Mark, and his family. And uh, I don't know if Mark and Erica and Rebecca and Melanie and Trainer. Wherever you are, if you're watching this morning, we greet you. And to those of you who are watching online, we greet you also in the name of Jesus. So this morning, I'd like to share with you about world Christian discipleship. It may sound like a strange thing. World means something big. Christian means something special. Discipleship means something with a purpose. World Christian Discipleship. And Jan is going to come and read a couple of scriptures to just start us off this morning. All right. We're going to look at three passages. Ezekiel twenty-two thirty. It says, I looked for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so that I would not have to destroy it. But I found none. Second Chronicles 16, 9 says, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. And then Psalm 96, 1 through 3. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. 
Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all people. Would you pray with me? Lord, it's such a privilege to be here in your house today, and we just delight in you. We praise you. We praise your great name, the Lord Almighty. Lord, we just ask that you might strengthen our hearts, that we might be fully committed to you. We want to declare your glory among the nations, your marvelous deeds among all people. Lord, we see a world of hurt, violence, and hopelessness. Make us watchmen on the wall that cry out for the end of the brokenness around us and in us. Help us to be among those who stand, who build, who repair all that is broken by the power of your spirit. May we draw close to you and may your love flow through us to the lost and hurting. Let us be your ambassadors and let us represent you well to those living close and to those far away. Lord, we just ask that you will be with Dave today as he opens the word to us. Give us an open heart for all that you have for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. that microphone back. So we praise God for his word, amen? amen. And world Christian discipleship. Uh, so I know that this is something that many of us have thought of and studied and you've prayed about many times before, but it's something that is on God's heart and it's, and it's really something that is fully on my heart as well to share with you and talk about. So it probably won't be, again, anything brand new, anything that you haven't heard or studied before. But uh, my interest is God would really encourage us as followers of Jesus Christ and encourage us about what God is doing these days in his church and, and his great things. So we're thinking about how much God loves us. Amen. God loves you. And uh, we know that so well. So remember that famous theologian. Charlie Brown, and Lucy said, tell me what love is, Chuck, and his answer was, love is a man named who? Jesus. It's Jesus, and that surely is true, isn't it? And we know that that's true. God loves you. He loves you so much. He, it, it sounds trite to us, but it is probably the most profound statement that anybody could say to me or to you. But I'm wondering about this a little bit as I'm thinking, as many of you are, about our culture and about our world. Has anybody seen God recently? Has anybody seen Jesus recently? You know, the, it, we're living in these crazy times, and we don't want to get bogged down on that in talking about it this morning at all. But it seems like God has been shaking things up. Do you think so? Do you feel that? He's been shaking things up. Now, in the book of Hebrews, it tells us that in the last days, there'll come a time when God's going to once for all shake everything and redo it. And we're not there yet, but we're getting closer, right? And he's surely shaking today. It seems like shaking the earth. And many people, many people in churches and out of churches are, are probably literally shaking in their boots because of everything that's going on today. Countries are shaking. To many people, it seems like the world is tottering on the edge of the brink. 
And so has anybody seen the Lord? Has anybody seen God during these times? And what does that have to do with world Christian discipleship? I had a lady uh, who's sort of a hero of mine, Jan and I, several years ago. Uh, we had a great opportunity to go with a, on a trip to Ecuador with Compassion International. Are you familiar with Compassion? And we went with a group down there. It was a great, great time. And it was at that time in our lives, it was life-changing. And uh, we visited missions organizations. We visited HCJB down there. We visited MAF and, of course, Compassion Projects with all of their children. We visited those. And we were able to do a lot of things that were neat. We, we were able to fly over the jungle uh, where Jim Elliott and his friends were killed, if you remember that, that is incident. We visited local pastors and churches, too. And, and, we got, and the neat thing was we got to visit many of uh, the sponsored children's projects that Compassion was doing in the country of Ecuador during that time. Uh, we had a lot of fun times. It, it was a great trip for us, eating guinea pig, flying. <laughs> yeah, it's not bad. Uh, <laughs> flying out of the jungle on an airplane with the doors not closing, things like that, riding in buses, practically falling off the side of the mountain. Fantastic. But in the midst, <laughs> but in the midst of all the fantastic experiences, there was one that stood out above everything else. In our group, there was a lady named Ethel. Ethel was 86 years young and part of our group. And during our trip, which was quite exhausting, climbing up and down some of the mountains and in the jungle and things like that, in the midst of our trip, uh, Ethel's health gave out and she went home to be with the Lord. And so she actually passed away on the bus while we were driving out of the jungle trying to get to a hospital, and the Lord took her home. And so I was able to go up and, and visit with her very briefly before she passed away. And uh, we talked about the Lord, and she knew the Lord. She knew she was going to be with the Lord, and she was okay. But it, you know, it was a shock. It was a surprise, of course, to all of us, and, and we were shocked, and we had many tears, and we had many questions. Many of us in the group had questions, and we were thinking, what was she doing here? Should she have stayed at home? We were very concerned about her family back in the United States and what they would think about this, but thankfully, through communications, the message came back from her home, not to worry, not to worry, they said, Ethel died doing what she thought the Lord wanted her to do. Not rocking life away in a chair somewhere, but still climbing mountains for Jesus Christ. And that family back home was glad for her. They were glad for her trip. They were glad for what she did. And they were convinced that she was glad to go home making a difference for Jesus Christ. Ethel was salt and light for the Lord. Amen? And we praise God for that. She's a hero of mine. And I think that it's going to be tremendous to one day see her again, meet her again in heaven when she gets there. 
So my prayer, and maybe yours too, in these days, in these crazy days, is, Lord, will you shake me up? Have you been praying that way? God, will you shake me up? Because in the Bible, it talks about God wanting us to live with purpose on purpose. In the perspectives class on world missions, they described it this way. They said, we were made to live for purpose. God himself lives for purpose. The way to live with significance is to devote yourself to a purpose that is larger than your life. Amen, are you with me? And this is what God wants for us. There's another missiologist, his name is David Bryant, and he wrote, all Christians are born into the gap between God's worldwide purpose and the fulfillment of it. Does that make sense? So what gap are you and I standing in, sitting in today on this Lord's day? Feel the gap. Feel the gap. So a few years ago, God was working in our lives, Jan and I, and, and just really got hold of our lives in a new and fresh way about the world and about missions and and uh, it's, it was a dramatic thing at that time in our lives, and sort of a long story. But we're still there, and we're still, we're, we're still have this burden and interest in it. And it's so encouraging that the glory of God in the nations is what is on God's program. Amen? Do you agree with this? And so we can say this. God has the world in his pocket, doesn't he? And he has all the people of the world on his heart. Do you believe that? If God had a refrigerator, I have a friend who says, if God has a refrigerator and he put pictures on the front, he'd have your picture on the front of his refrigerator. Yours and yours and yours and yours and everybody in the whole world. That's God. That's the God that we worship. And so this is what we're thinking about for a few minutes together this morning. So there's two things that I'd like to present to you. First of all, the world today. And secondly, the world tomorrow. Very basic thing. So let's start with the world today. And for the world today, uh, we want now to go to the book of Romans. And so if you do have your Bible, so your whatever device you use, uh, we don't have it, I don't have it on the screen. But Romans chapter 10, a familiar passage. So how many of you love the book of Romans? Romans is such a fantastic book, so much in there, uh, and, and so much that we're familiar with. But in Romans chapter 10, beginning in thir verse 13, God, through the Apostle Paul, begins to explain to us this tremendous plan that God has that relates to our world today. So... Uh, everybody find it? Romans 10, beginning at verse 13. It says this. This is the word of God. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be, what? Saved. Saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone what? Preaching to them. 
And how can they preach unless what? They're sent. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And all God's people said? Amen. Amen. How, beautiful, how, how beautiful are your feet? <laughs> Don't answer that out loud. <laughs> this is God's thing. So the world today, here's what we're thinking about. The world today. In the world today, I, I think there, there, there are three greatest things in the world today. Three greatest things in the world today. And, and first of all, the greatest glory of God is number one. Number two, though, is the great Savior of God. And number three is what? It is the great story of God. So in the world today, does that make sense? So let's, let's just for a few minutes, we'll just take them one at a time, okay? So the first one there is the great glory of God. So I just love the book of Romans, and we're just sort of camping out in Romans now for a few minutes, uh, but we're, we're going to be jumping around. But jump over now to chapter 11, to the end of it. A great doxology from the Apostle Paul, right? Are you familiar with this one? The doxology. Let's consider the great glory of God just for a minute. Romans is so full and, and powerful, isn't it? So he starts out with sin, that we have all sinned. He talks about Jesus Christ, who came and died and paid the penalty for my sins. He talks about the Holy Spirit, who God gives to every single believer. He talks about God's future plans for Israel. All these chapters, and, and I can just imagine Paul's writing this stuff through the Holy Spirit, and he's just getting full, he's getting more excited, more excited, and more excited as he gets to it, and he gets to the end of chapter 11, and beginning in verse 33, this doxology just pours out of his mouth, and he says as he writes it, oh, oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond, beyond us tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given anything to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever, Paul's writing. And he says, what? Amen. Amen. I love that, verse 36. Okay, let's all say that together. I mean, you might have different translations, but we, this one is probably pretty similar beginning in verse 36. Let's read it together. Are you ready? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen and amen. That's his doxology. Isn't that tremendous? So praise God for this, isn't it? So, you know, I know that this is familiar to you guys, most of you. But isn't it good to rethink these things and to review them. Had, uh, I read it one time about two old friends walking down the street together. They were talking about the Bible and God, and <clears throat> one of them said to the other one, you know, uh, what does God say about sin? <laughs> you know, that's a loaded question. What does God say about sin? And the other friend said, well, it says he's again it. He's just again it. And that's right. What does God say about sin? He's against it. 
Jesus Christ came to destroy it. That's, his, that's what he came for, right? And so this has to do with the great glory of God and what God is doing. God's wisdom, as Paul writes about here, is awesome. His plan is awesome. God's glory is showcased in our eternal salvation. Amen? And our eternal salvation, Romans tells us, happens the moment we believe, we hear, and believe. When we hear and we believe the gospel. It happens like that, doesn't it? Anybody with me on this? This is the eternal salvation. So the very moment that I put my faith in Jesus Christ as my Savior, the destruction of sin begins through the power of Jesus Christ. So the penalty of my sins is once and for all gone. Amen? And the power over my sins is now started through the Holy Spirit that He gives us. And one day the presence of my sins will be completely obliterated when we are in heaven with Him for all eternity. And that's our eternal salvation, isn't it? And so we, we praise God for that today. And so salvation's experience, according to Paul, requires a preacher sent by who? By God. By God. A preacher. So I, in your life, I don't know who God sent to you. If you know Christ, who did he send? He can send somebody through a book. He can send somebody through a, a tape or media. Or he can send somebody in person. Maybe today, for some of us, I'm that guy. <laughs> For some of us today, I don't know. That's, that's up to you. But some of us will look at something like this and we'll say, well, you know, this is, this is interesting stuff, right? You know, I've heard this before, have you? Isn't this just something for pastors and evangelists and missionaries? Or is this something for every single follower of Christ? Amen? Are you with me on this? Now, now we're going to, you know, God steps on our toes a little bit when we get to something like this. Because the Bible says that every Christian should be ablaze with a passion for God's fame and God's glory. Every Christian. And we say, praise the Lord, don't we? So Rick Warren, in his, his well-known book, Purpose Driven Life, he starts out by saying, it's not about you. That's convicting, isn't it? It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about Riverside. And it's, not about, you know, it's not about anything like that. It's about God. It's about God and his glory and what God is doing in this world. Hallelujah. Some Chinese person had a proverb, and he said, don't try to stand with one foot in two boats. <laughs> and think about that. So I, I can't stand, I can't put one foot in the glory of God and the other foot in this world and both of them be happy. Am I living for the glory of God? Or am I living for myself and other things, right? So this is what God is challenging us to. This is why Henry Blackaby 
when he was thinking of the glory of God, he wrote this. He said, you cannot be in a relationship with Jesus and not be on mission. Ouch. It's impossible for those two things to exist. So I think I love the ministry of Awana, do you? Awana had it exactly right when they said, we bring glory to God by knowing, loving, and serving Jesus Christ. And God's people said, amen. So we praise the Lord this morning for the majestic glory of God because it's one of the three greatest things in the whole world. Are you with me? But let's go on. Because secondly, there's another thing that is so great. I'll come to that in just a minute. Let's consider the great Savior of God. And of course, that's Jesus himself. And so now let's go back to Romans 5.8. And probably a lot of you have this one memorized, Romans 5.8. But uh, what a great passage this is as well. So uh, if you've got it there, let's try to, can we read that one together as well? Romans 5.8. Have you got it? Or maybe you have it memorized in your head. You ready? The word of God. But God. Okay, that was not too good. <laughs> okay, let's try it again. Five, eight. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And we believe that with our hearts, don't we? So the little kids got it right. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. So let's think about this for a minute. Then Now we come to this. The love of God through Jesus Christ is just astonishing, isn't it? It is something that should thrill us to the tip of our toes. So God's love is an unprovoked love. That means nobody made him do it. Nobody conjoled him. Nobody told him to do it. He just did it. He chose to love you and to love me. And he did it all on his own because he's a God of love. So praise the Lord. But then secondly, that love comes into our life. And God's love then, guess what? It provokes us to love other people. So that means that it stimulates us, it goads us, it, it drives us, it propels us. When the love of God through the power of the Holy Spirit is alive in my life, it's just going to, it, it has to just overflow, doesn't it? Into the people around me as well. And then the last one is that God's love is what? It's a profound love. That just means he loves everybody and anybody all the time. God loves the bum. God loves the barren. God loves the brat. <laughs> God loves the least of all. God loves the best of all. God loves the worst of all. You know what? He even loves you and me. <laughs> and that might be the greatest blessing of all. Make sense? Makes sense. Okay. So let me tell you a homey, a homey little story real quick here. A homey little story. There once was a doctor, a medical doctor, and uh, he loved animals. And so he saw this little dog one time that had a, and he found this dog and it had a broken leg. And so he took the dog to his house and he, and he fixed the leg. 
He helped it heal up. He liked the dog. He adopted the dog as his own dog. It became his pet dog. He just really loved the dog. And he trained the dog so that he would open the door in the morning and the dog would run out, grab the newspaper, and run back in with the newspaper. So pretty smart dog. And uh, so one morning he lets the dog out. The dog runs out, and, but he doesn't come back. And the, and the doctor doesn't know where he is at all. He's, you know, calling the dog, hey, dog, 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 you know, and he goes out looking. He can't find the dog anywhere until one, you know, a little bit, he hears this barking in the distance. There's something, some dog barking. And so he follows the sound a little bit around. He finds, and lo and behold, there is his little dog standing there barking at a bush. And he looks in the bush, and guess what he sees? Another dog lying there with a broken leg. Now, isn't that an interesting story? And by the way, that is a true story. A true story. That that dog that was rescued somehow was smart enough to have a heart to help rescue other dogs that needed rescuing. Isn't that amazing? Now, I would never suggest that we are dogs. <laughs> Not all of us, anyway. <laughs> but could it be that we can learn a lesson from a little dog? That if I have been rescued by Jesus Christ from the greatest problem of all problems, my sin, does it not make sense that I would have a love and compassion to go out and help rescue the people around me who need rescuing as well. Amen? Are you with me on this? And this is the great Savior that we have. He has a heart for everybody. This is why in the Bible we read all these different verses that, you're, that I know that you're familiar with. But, for example, Acts 1, verse 8. You remember that one. Acts 1, verse 8. Uh, they're talking. Jesus is, is on his way out, and he's saying, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. Where? In Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. So that, this is what God said. This is a verse, Acts 1.8, for all of us would-be dogs. This is for us. And so God has this plan, and it starts at home, starts in Jerusalem, starts where I live, but it goes out a little farther, and then it really goes out. Amen? And everybody can't do everything everywhere, but everybody can do something somewhere, and that's what God's plan and His will is for His church, is for that to happen. So it starts at home, and, and God wants me to love the people who are close by me who are like me. But then he, he wants me to branch out, and God wants me to care about the people who live a little farther away from me who are still like me. But God doesn't stop there. He wants me to take another step. He wants me to care about the world, about the people who live far away from me who are not like me. And it's not one or the other or the other, is it? It is everything. Now, once again, we're not saying that everybody can do everything everywhere, right? But we are saying that everybody can do something somewhere that has a part in this great plan 
that has to do with the wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ, that we have. Amen on this? Amen. Amen. And so this is a great thing in the world today. So, amen. I'm running out of time here. I love this little picture. I don't know if you can see it very well. In one of our conferences in Africa, this little girl was there with her mom. Her mom was in the conference. And she was there, and I just love this picture because she's, she's trying her best to see with these glasses. But what's her problem? <laughs> she's got them all a little crooked, you know? It's hard to see when you've got your glasses on crooked, isn't it? So what God wants us to do is we, he wants us to put our glasses on straight, doesn't he? He wants us to get our spiritual glasses working so that when we see the world, we see what God sees. And that's a challenge, isn't it? Amen. Are you with me? Are, are you tired yet? Because <laughs> I have another hour to go. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking. Sorry, Paul. Sorry, Paul. <laughs> I know there's no dancing in the hall. <laughs> okay, so um, the second of the three greatest things in the world is Jesus Christ. So that brings us then to the last part of this, and that is what is going on in our world today. And what we can say is, it's like a lot of things that you've heard about, is that there's bad news and good news, right? So the bad news about the world today, it's bad, right? Would you, I mean, it's bad. We could go on and on this morning, which we won't, you know, talking about it, but you know all the stuff, all the stuff that's going on from natural disasters to wars and terrorism and nuclear threats and, and riots and violence and, and uh, COVID-19. We could go on and on and on because it's really bad. And it seems like God is shaking our world today. He's really shaking things up. He's really doing it. And it's easy to be discouraged, I think, for those of us who know Christ. It's easy for us to think, we're, we're losing this thing. You know, what's going to happen here? But that's not the case, is it? Because the other side of the coin is really, really different than being bad. So I don't know if you can, you probably can't see that. Uh, that is a picture of something in Israel, in Jerusalem. Can anybody tell what that is? Yeah, so in the middle there, if I could do it, whoop, right there is the Western Gate. Do you know what that's all about? So in the Bible, it says that one day, Jesus Christ is going to come back, he's going to come on the Mount of Olives, and he's going to go through that Western Gate. Now, right now, it is, it is just completely folded up. It's barred up, it's you know, stopped up, you can't even go through it. But that's it, and that's what it looks like. You can't tell from the picture, but in front of that wall with that gate, there is a cemetery, <laughs> and, and it's a Muslim cemetery, and, and a, a lot of Muslims are buried there. You know why? Because they believe it. They believe that one day Jesus is coming back, and he's going through that gate, and they believe that when it happens, there'll be a resurrection, and they want to be there to fight it off. Right in front of it. Now, right off to the left in the Mount of Olives, you're looking at the gate, is another cemetery, and that's the Jewish cemetery. 
And so all the Jewish people are there, and they're buried there because they believe it's going to happen. And all of their graves are pointed that way, you know, so when the resurrection happens, boom, they'll come out like that. They want to be there because they're going to celebrate it. We're going to be there, amen, because we have believed in Jesus Christ as our Savior. Amen? So we know how this story is going to end, and we know that Christ is alive today, and therefore we know that what is happening in the world today that looks terrible is not the end of the story. Amen? Amen. Amen. We get to be part of this, and I think that this is just really great news for those of us who are with Christ. Do you agree? Anybody agree this morning? Amen. I see that hand way back there. So I think, I, I know I've said this before, but I really do believe it, that this is the most exciting time to become a world Christian than in all of human history, living right now. And that there's a lot of things that we could look at, but here's some great news just to whet your appetite. There are more Christians alive today than ever before in human history, living right now. The kingdom of God today is exploding in several places around the world. Number three there, evangelical Christianity is the fastest growing religious movement percentage-wise in the world today. And number four, this is exciting, missions today is everywhere to everywhere. You know, not too long ago, it used to be North America, you know, the United States, Senate, you know, not anymore. Missions today is everybody all around the world sending missions to everywhere. Oh, God, send some missionaries to America. Send some missionaries to America. <laughs> Are you with me on this? Yeah. Can, can you stand anymore? Just, I just want to whet our appetite. I, I want... Uh, I think we really need to be encouraged as Christians. But just, just think about this. Christianity is the fastest, is spreading faster now than any time in human history. For example, there were 9 million Christians in Africa in 1900. By the year 2000, there were 335 million, 37 times as many. In Latin America in 1900, there were 50,000 Protestants. Today, there are more than 64 million. Most of this growth is just recently. The number of Christians in Asia grew from 101 million to 351 million in just 30 years recently. In China, it is estimated that 10,000 people per day become followers of Jesus Christ. And even by conservative F, you know, uh, reckoning, Christianity has grown 4,300% in 50 years in China. By the year 2030, China will have more Christians living in it than any other nation on earth. Isn't that astonishing? Today, there are 3.7 times as many Protestants in Africa as in North America. And the gap is increasing. In 1980, 65% of the world's missionaries were sent out from the global north, which is us and, and Canada and this. 65% in 
by 2020, which we've already passed that now, that situation will be reversed and 63% of missionaries are coming from these other countries. That has already happened. And this is what God is doing. You think of what God is doing among the Muslims. And this is astonishing too. There is a fresh wind blowing among Muslims in the world today. In that world, there were, some time back, there were no movements of the Holy Spirit until about the 19th century. But today, every region of the Muslim world is experiencing spiritual movements, even in the most extreme areas. And it's going on and on and on. And, and, and that's just part from, from this great book uh, and study that's been done. Isn't that exciting? I, I guess, you know, to me, you know, we don't, we're not going to read about this. You're not going to hear about this on the news. You're not even going to hear about it on Fox News. <laughs> you know, maybe God has his network, right? <laughs> and, and God's going to let us know. So uh, does this make sense of what we're saying? So this is the world today. So I, I, I want to wrap it up and I'm, I, I need to watch my time with you guys. You've been really patient on this. And um, the world today then leads us to this question about the world tomorrow. In other words, what's going to happen in the future? If this is what's happening now, what about tomorrow? Is it going to be here today, gone tomorrow? Or do you think that it will increase? See, to me, the answer to that question depends on you and me. Standing in the gap. Stepping up and being available to the Lord of the universe for whatever He's calling us to do. And God has given us in the Bible, He has given us these choices that we must make as Christians today. These are so important. You are very familiar with them. Some of us, He may call us to actually go somewhere with the Gospel. He may be calling some of us this morning. I don't, I don't know. He may call you to go across the street to share with somebody. He may call you to go to Africa with us. Others of us, He may be calling you to send people. You know what this is talking about? Pocketbook. <laughs> Money. Money. And there's a lot of Christians who are investing in ministries today. He may call you to do that. The third one is what? Pray. pray. All of us can do that. He may be calling us to pray for the world. And the last one is to welcome. That means that it, God has done a turnaround on us, is that He has actually brought people from all over the world to our doorstep, particularly in the Chicago area. People from all over, and we can welcome them and share the gospel and minister to them right at home. So I don't, I don't know what it is with each one of us, but every one of those is a choice. And here's the thing. Uh, if you remember John Piper, right? John Piper has a way of being very bold and blunt. He says, go, pray, or disobey. Wow. Go, pray, or disobey. See, this isn't for pastors. This isn't for evangelists. This isn't just for missionaries. This is for you and me. It's for all of us. And that's why Henry Blackaby said, every Christian is a missionary. 
He said, every congregation is a world missions center. That's why the Japanese people said, if you Christians loved your God as we love our emperor, you would long since have taken this world for him. That hurts, doesn't it? The opportunity and the challenge is there. And so I just want God to encourage your heart and our hearts with this. Live your life on purpose. With God's purpose. Make sense? If you're familiar with David Platt, I'll close with this. Let me close with this story. David Platt tells a story of one time he was in the Sudan. And he was talking with a young African, uh, African young man. And, it, and he writes it this way. He said, it was a scorching November day. I was sitting in the middle of the African landscape, sipping hot tea with my friend Bullen. We were surrounded by damaged buildings in a land that had been ravaged by war. Everything was a mess. Thousands upon thousands of Bullen's brothers and sisters in Christ had died around him at the hands of a militant Muslim regime. And Bullen himself had been separated from his family and when a child. And he had grown up in Sudan on his own. And David Platt is writing this. He says, but as I looked across at his dark, slender face on that day, I was struck by the contagious smile that shone whenever he spoke. We were talking about how God had worked in Bullen's life, bringing him to trust in Christ when he could trust in nothing else. We discussed what God was doing in our lives, and we talked about God's plans for how he is going to use each of us in the future. In the middle of that conversation, Bullen lowered the cup of hot tea from his lips. He looked me in the eyes, and he said, David, I am going to impact the world. An interesting statement. Here was a guy in the African bush with no resources. A guy who hadn't seen much of the world beyond the villages that surrounded him. A guy who, by all outward appearances, did not have much hope of changing his lot in life. Bullen, how are you going to impact the world? I asked. Bullen said, I am going to make disciples of all nations. So you are going to impact the world by making disciples of all nations? That grin immediately spread across his face as he said, why not? And then he went back to sipping his tea. David Platt writes, I'll never forget those two words. Why not? You know what? That might be what God is saying to you and me today. You might think, I can't do any of that stuff. This isn't for me. This is too big for me. I've got my own problems. I've got my own sufferings and trials. And God may be saying, as he looks right back at us, why not? Why not? Because the Bible says, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. And so what would we say to God today? You know, should we pray? Should we go? Or shall we disobey? Or shall we just pick up that phrase from many years ago from the basketball players when they just said, 
Let's just do it. God says to us today, just do it. That's God's plan. And may he give us the grace to do it. And God's people said? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your love. And Lord, we pray this morning, especially now as we think on these things, that if there's anybody here this morning who does not yet have Christ, Lord, we would pray for that person even right now because your love is so focused this morning. And we pray that you would work in their life, that they would even in this moment of quiet, that they would turn to you and say, Father in heaven, thank you that you love me. Thank you that Jesus died and paid the penalty for my sins. And right now, Lord, I open the door of my life and I invite Jesus Christ into my life to be my Savior and to give me the gift of eternal life. Father, may that be true of all of us who are gathered here. May we just do it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.